Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week we're going to look at scriptures from Sunday to Saturday on Proper 9. Proper 9. We are in the second half of the liturgical season, the season after Pentecost. We celebrated Pentecost at the end of May, and we are now uh, in the summer season, if you will, summertime, and we are looking at scriptures after Pentecost, and of course, that will run all the way through November until we come to the season of Advent. And we have been looking at 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, Acts in the New Testament, and the Gospel of Luke. We will be finishing the Gospel of Luke today, interestingly, with the resurrection of Christ, and then began on the Gospel of Mark. So we are very much in a flow of scriptures, and again, 1 Samuel, Acts, and Luke, and Mark. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 14, 36-45 on Sunday. The only reference I want to make uh, to that is letting you know, as we've said the last week, that Saul has got big problems because the Lord has rejected him. Uh, The Lord told him what to do through Samuel, and he did not do it, and therefore the Lord has abandoned him, as it were. Look at chapter 14, verse 37. So Saul asked God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Now, a lot of times these guys, these kings, would ask the prophet what to do, Basically, they're asking the Lord what to do through the prophet. The prophet was going to tell them what to do. Now, if the prophet was a false prophet, not sent from God, then that king would have bad information. So he needed to hear from a person that heard from God. Should I go down after the Philistines? Should I go down and fight them? Should I go down and take them? He didn't know, so he's inquiring of God. Will you give them into Israel's hand? If I go down to them, are you going to defeat them? Now, that was a very good theology on his part. He knew that God was on his side. He knew that God was with him. But he didn't know whether or not this was God's will. But God did not answer him that day. Now, that is not a situation, brothers and sisters, you want to find yourself in. That God does not answer you that day. Saul had made several mistakes and was now paying for them because God did not speak to him. And so... That's why you, one of the reasons you want to have a daily diet of repentance and faithfulness to God. You want to repent of your sins. I need to repent of my sins. We need to be faithful to the Lord. We want the Lord to hear our prayers and to answer our needs. So enjoy reading the rest of that information, uh, that's those scriptures in chapter 14, chapter 15. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Now Saul was already in trouble with the Lord. Do not spare them. This is the word that's coming from Samuel to Saul. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. All right? There's the instructions. So in verse 7, Paul did attack the Amalekites. 
Read with me in your Bible. The Lord and the army spared Agag, verse 9, and the best of the sheep of the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Saul, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone into Carmel. There he had set up a monument in his own honor and has turned his face and gone down to Gilgal. When the Lord, when Samuel reached him, Samuel, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. This is Saul talking. The Lord bless you. I have carried out the instructions. Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me. He's not going to like this word. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. After that, he sent you on a mission. Verse 18, chapter 15. Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? That is a great question for all of us. When the Lord tells us what to do, here's the point. The Lord tells us what to do. We are not to do what we want to do. We are not to go around that. We are to do what he says. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. In his mind, he thought he had done it. But Samuel replied, Look at verse 22 in your Bible. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now he's completely rejected by the Lord. He was already in trouble with him. Now he's in desperate trouble with the Lord. I was afraid of the people, he said. And so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive me my sin and come back with me so I may worship the Lord. Samuel said, I will not go back. You've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. It, um, he's not going to change his mind. This is what has happened. This is a horrific situation for Samuel and now Saul. Samuel's got to deliver this news by the Lord's calling of Samuel in his life. Now he becomes the prophet. Remember, I've told you that Samuel is a prophet. He's, developed, he's de giving the um, divine word to King Saul. Then Samuel left for Ramah, verse 34. But Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul, 35. Until the day that Samuel died, he did not see Saul again. 
though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, remember I said several weeks ago that God did not want the people to have a king, but the people wanted a king. Remember, they had used judges to rule. They said, we want a king like everyone else. The Lord said, that's not a good, that's not, a, that's not what you want to do. And Samuel told him that. But the Lord allowed a king to be given. And Saul was the person. Now, we're going to see it God's way. In the famous 1 Samuel 16. This is a chapter in the Bible you need to know. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him. Fill your horn with oil. I'm going to send you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now I'm going to choose it. I'm not going to leave it up to y'all. I'm going to choose it. And so he arrives. Read through this. It's a beautiful text. He calls Jesse. He calls the sons. He has seven sons. They pass. So he asked Jesse, are all these the sons you have? Verse 11, chapter 16. There is still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. He's the youngest. So he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. Anoint him. He is the one. Anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, this is King David, in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Now what? This is amazing scripture. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Ugh. And so David began to be the servant of the Lord. Verse 23 of chapter 16. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, God would take his harp and play. David would take his harp and play. David was a great musician. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So the evil spirit sent from God. David would play for him, and David would relieve him of this evil spirit that was taunting him. In the famous 1 Samuel 17, we have the extraordinary story of David and Goliath. I am sure you know this text very well, and it is fantastic reading. So the Philistine, and I'm going to just hit the real high points of it because I'm sure you know it, and if you don't know it, you're going to enjoy reading. It's a beautiful story. 1 Samuel 17. So, 1 Samuel 15, Saul turns away from God decisively in terms of obeying him, and then the Lord turns away from Saul, and then he, he God, regrets that he has made him. In 16, God sends Samuel to Jesse's house. He has eight sons. Seven of the sons are go before Samuel. They're not the one. Do you have any more sons? Yes, there's someone in the field. Go get him. We will keep standing. Pours the horn of all. No, no interrogation, no resume, none of that. 
And then, of course, in 17, we have the great David and Goliath. Choose a man and have him come down to me, Goliath says. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will welcome your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. This was a big deal. This is the Philistines. One against one, mano on mano. Whoever wins, the other has to subject themselves. David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, chapter 16, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. This is where Jesus has to come from the line of David, and he's born in Bethlehem. There's the connection. So Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well-advanced in years. And so, eventually, they are going to choose David. David is going to be the one that's going to rise up. But look at verse 24. When the Israelites saw the man, Goliath, they ran from him in great fear. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. And so David confidently says in verse 26, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David had this great relationship with God. And he trusted God, and he trusted that God would take care of him. And so he does, and he delivers the Israelites by this young boy who, with his slingshot, hits Goliath in the forehead and kills him and knocks him to the ground, as you all well know. Read this beautiful story. One more verse, verse 45. I come against you. Philistine, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. The battle is the Lord's, verse 47. So allowing God to fight for us, putting our trust in God, letting God do the work instead of us doing the work. David had that extraordinary understanding of God about that and allowed God to do this extraordinary work in his life. And so enjoy 1 Samuel 17. Acts chapter 9. Now, when we left off, Saul was persecuting the people quite profoundly, and God met him on the road to Damascus. Jesus did. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, after Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? Verse 5. 6. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. So God called Ananias to go and pray for Saul. And Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 17, chapter 9, verse 17. We talked about this last week. And now Saul is going to begin to do work in Damascus and Jerusalem. After many days had gone by, in verse 23, the Jews conspired to kill him. So Saul quickly became very dangerous to the Jews because he was talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. That's the last thing that they wanted. And... Saul learned of their plan to kill him, and day and night they kept a close watch on him in the city gates in order to kill him, verse 25. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. He preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus, the last part of verse 27. The church grew, in verse 31, throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, Enjoying a time of peace, it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers. It lived in the fear of the Lord. So what was happening is that Paul turned 180 degrees. He accepted Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
he began to minister with the people that he was persecuting. The Jews who supported him now turned against him, obviously, and they were trying to kill him. And Paul preached in the name of the Lord, and God did great things, as we'll see in Acts, through the working of Saul. In verses uh, 32 to 43, we see two great miracles. There's Peter, and we're talking about Aeneas, who is miraculously healed, and uh, Tabitha, uh, who was doing good and helping the poor. She became sick and died. Her body was washed. Lydia near, was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that uh, Peter was in Lydia, this is verse 38, they sent two men and urged him, please come at once. Peter went and said, Tabitha, get up, verse 40. And she opened her eyes and she was alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. An incredible miracle. So you have a situation where someone was a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years, Aeneas, Aeneas, I'm sorry, and Peter said, Jesus Christ heals you, and then Peter heals someone that, that had died, raised them from the dead. Of course, we see Jesus do that three times in the Gospels. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Acts was doing great things in the ninth chapter. The beginning of the chapter, the great Saul, who became Paul, uh, does this begins his tremendous ministry to the Jews and then later to the Gentiles. And then Peter, who you know very well, uh, leading disciple of Jesus while Jesus was on earth, uh, he heals someone who's paralytic and then raises someone from the dead. In the 10th chapter, the 10th chapter is a very important chapter in Acts and in the Bible because it is the story of how the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit and were led to follow the Lord. Now remember, Jesus' main ministry was to the Jewish people, even though at Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came down and people from all over the area heard the word of the Lord. Paul's beginning ministry was to Jewish people. Peter's ministry was to Jewish people. And he thought it was only to Jewish people. Now when you look at the 10th chapter, you see that this man named Cornelius was at Caesarea. He was a centurion, verse 1 in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and the Lord said to him, through the angel, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a remembrance before God. That was a good thing that you did. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a person named Peter. So he's staying with Simon the Tanner. Remember, I said that at the end of chapter 9, verse uh, 43. Whose house is by the sea. So the angel who had spoken to him had gone. Cornelius called two of his servants and told them to go to Joppa to get Peter. Now, when you read about the vision of Peter in the second part of chapter 10, you'll see that God is changing the way he is thinking by presenting this vision to him. They get Peter, and he goes down to Cornelius' house, and he begins to speak in chapter 10, verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God has not showed favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So remember Peter in chapter 2 of Acts is given this beautiful soliloquy and calls people to be saved. And in his ministry, remember in Acts chapter 3 with the healing of the cripple, and subsequently in his work with the Sanhedrin, who were asking him, why are you doing what you're doing? He often gives some interesting uh, soliloquies and sharing the gospel with them. And we see this in 34 following. And so he talks about Jesus being killed by hanging on a tree. God raised him from the dead in verse 40 and caused him to be seen. Now, when he was speaking these words, verse 44... The Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Verse 46, this was the same thing that happened at Pentecost. So they received the Holy Spirit, and in chapter 11, he explains what happened to them in chapter 11 of Acts. As I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, verse 15, as he had come down on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift that he gave us, Acts chapter 2, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, verse 18, they had no further objections, and they praised God, saying, God has even granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. So in chapter 9, we encounter Saul, who turned the world upside down with his ministry. In chapter 10, we encounter Peter and God working with him through the vision with Cornelius, going to Cornelius' house in Caesarea, and going and getting Peter, who's going to deliver a message to them. The Holy Spirit's going to come down on them, and they are going to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior just as it had happened in Acts chapter 2, at the end of Acts chapter 2. So now we've got not only the Jews included into salvation in Christ, we also have the Gentiles. Luke chapter 23, lots going on there. So you have, so far in Acts, you've got this extraordinary situation with Saul and David. And, I mean, in uh, 1 Samuel. In Acts, you've got this extraordinary situation with Saul, another Saul, but it's Paul, uh, and Peter, and what God's doing with Gentiles and Jews. And in Luke, you have the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This might be one of the best weeks of the year in terms of reading these scriptures. Chapter 23, 44. So now Jesus is going to die about the sixth hour. Darkness comes over the land until the ninth hour. The sun, sun stops shining. The curtain of the temple is torn in two. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last, and he died. Jesus dies. Jesus is then buried by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. He asked Pilate for the body. He takes it down. The Sabbath was about to begin, so they had to kill Jesus. But they didn't kill him. Remember, they stuck a spear in his side. They didn't kill him because he was already dead. And they went home and they prepared spices and perfumes. Perfumes. They rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. 
So they were going to go there very early in the morning, which they did in chapter 24, and they were going to anoint him. But he was not there. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse 5. Verse 6. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. This has never happened in the history of the world that a person died and was resurrected and didn't die again. He never died the second time. He died the first time, raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead, John chapter 11, but then he died. Jesus did not die. He's still alive. And, of course, we have the beautiful road to Emmaus where Jesus is talking to them and sharing the scriptures with them. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, verse 27 of chapter 24, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So people saw him. They experienced his life. Uh, He took the bread. He broke it. He gave it to them. And then he vanished. This is in verse 31. 32. Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then finally, he is with them. And he opens their minds so they can understand the scriptures in 45. And he's going to send them to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, 49. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. Remember, this is Luke speaking. And what's going to happen, he's going to write Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's going to come down at Pentecost. When he had led them out, To the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Verse 50, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So we go from his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and then waiting for the coming of the Spirit. That's extraordinary. He dies. He's buried. They come to anoint him on Sunday morning. He's not there. He's risen. He then appears to them, second half, road to Emmaus. He then, at the end of Luke chapter 24, he ascends into heaven. He's now seated at the right hand of God. He tells them to go wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit who is going to empower them to do ministry. Wow. Enjoy the scriptures in Luke. And we will begin our study of Mark chapter 1. Now we're going all the way back to the beginning again. All the way back to the beginning. Mark chapter 1, 1 to 13 and 14 to 28. What happens? There's no infancy narrative. There's no, no infancy narrative. This is Luke and Matthew. There is no prologue. John, there's just Mark starting off with Isaiah the prophet and talking about John the Baptist. So as you read through this, you're going to recognize all these themes. You're going to see the baptism of Jesus. You're going to see the temptation of Jesus, much shorter form. You're going to see the calling of the first disciples in verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. He calls Simon and his brother Andrew in 16 and 17. He begins his ministry by casting out evil spirits. And the process begins in Mark. Final verse for this week, verse 28 of chapter 1 of Mark, news about him spread quickly to the whole region of Galilee. So we have a beginning of Jesus' ministry in Mark, 
We have the conclusion of Jesus' ministry in Luke. We have the ascension of David to the throne in 1 Samuel. And we have the inclusion of the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 and the explanation in the first half of Acts chapter 11. There's a lot to think about in this week's set of scriptures. I hope you enjoy them. I hope you enjoy reading. I pray that the Lord would speak to you and the Holy Spirit would guide you. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. <music>